Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Remember, Remember That Time I Got Cancer. This is your host, Erica, and this is episode 13. Now, you might recall that I had said that I hoped to get this episode out earlier in the day today, but I'm going to be honest with everyone, I am experiencing some pretty significant menstrual symptoms. Uh, We are talking cramping, migraines, general malaise. It's just been great. I'm sure not helped by the fact that it's been pouring down rain here all day. And while that is not necessarily important, my set of symptoms does inspire today's topic. I figure since I'm experiencing, I guess, what are signs of fertility, I'm going to talk about the fertility fears that come along with cancer, particularly a gynecological cancer. So pretty early on into my cancer journey, and I'm not sure when exactly, it occurred to me that this could affect my fertility. I've mentioned before that the tumor had basically destroyed my right ovary, and while everything else was intact, I was concerned that being down an ovary would would inhibit my my fertility prospects and I was always one of those people who wanted kids. I can remember being in high school and having it in my head that I wanted to be married by 20 and have a a child shortly thereafter. Now by the time I was in college I knew that I didn't want to be married with kids while I was still in college. So that wasn't really an issue, but I do find myself now rapidly approaching 30 and no real sign of either. So it is what it is. That's not, you know, I really, for the most part, I enjoy my life. What I do usually in the non-COVID times would be pretty inhibited by a child. I don't know a whole lot of professional stage managers with kids. Anyways, that's not really important. So we're here to talk about what went on with my fertility and and the fears that came along with with not just the initial tumor and the, the, the lack of an ovary, but also the fears that come along with chemotherapy. I've talked or at least mentioned many times that chemo is poison. One of the things that chemo drugs do is restrict the replication of DNA. If your DNA is not replicating, you're basically slowly dying. And of course, we all reach a point where our DNA is replicating slower and slower, and that's part of the aging process. But with chemo, that is that could be something that's happening when you're, you know, younger. And it can affect you in all sorts of ways. I will one day go into really in detail the various side effects of, of chemo. But but broadly speaking, things like effects to vision, effects to hearing, effects to lungs, effects to to the nerve endings in my fingers. We'll definitely talk about that one. But chemo can also affect your fertility. And while my doctors in England were able to assure me that for for the moment, prior to chemo, my fertility was almost certainly intact. People with just one ovary have 
been seen to be just as fertile as people with two ovaries. What actually happens is the body eventually realizes, well, I guess I should say, what usually happens is one month after the other, each ovary releases an egg. So, you know, the left ovary in June, the right in July, then the left in August, and so on and so forth. When the body realizes there aren't two ovaries, the ovary that remains, generally speaking, picks up the slack. And this was all explained to me when I was still in England, but they did advise, and for one reason or another, we must have spoken about it, or they may have just assumed, but they asked if I wanted to see a fertility specialist, because one thing that they will do in the UK, if you're going in for chemo, is they will put you in a position to freeze eggs. And they do this just in case the chemo ruins your ability to produce eggs, or in some other way damages your fertility, it it allows there to still be an option of a future, uh, you know, IVF or whatever that is. And so over a week after my surgery, probably almost two weeks after my surgery, because it was after we knew that I definitely had cancer and it was after Emily's wedding, I went to an appointment at Guy's Hospital for, for a fertility specialist. I believe it was at Guy's. And it was a sort of intense experience, not just because of of the procedures and the scans that they were trying to accomplish, but also because of the waiting room. I remember sitting in the waiting room and looking around at these couples who were were clearly already experiencing fertility issues and, and they were here not as a precaution, but because they were experiencing the very the very real pain of of struggling to conceive and that just in theory sort of freaked me out because I didn't I didn't want that to me I I can't really appreciate that pain because I've not experienced it but I know that I want kids and I know how hard I will take it if when push comes to shove I'm told that I can't so I remember of all the waiting rooms that I was in through those scary few months that might have been the worst so at any rate I get called to the back and they are going through the process explaining to me what what this fertility care looks like and I did bring up by at this point I knew I was going to have to leave the country and I said what do we do if we do freeze eggs and I have to leave because initially I was told that you know, for anyone under the NHS, the eggs would just be stored and no one really had an answer for what would happen if I was no longer being treated by the NHS. And and that made me nervous. And also there was, of course, when, when you're going in for the harvesting of eggs, there's a lot of injections you have to give yourself. Ultimately, there's, you know, the procedure to remove the eggs. And the reality was that there wasn't going to be time before I needed to start chemo to undergo the hormone treatments and the harvesting of eggs. Now they did talk about checking me that day to see if there, there was an egg or eggs. They talked about doing a transvaginal ultrasound where instead of the probe being on your, your skin externally, they actually insert the ultrasound wand. And I wasn't really a fan of that idea. And ultimately we scrapped it. The situation was just too complicated, and I think that I couldn't really think anyways about it. But what was a little more disturbing to me 
about this whole thing was that when I got back to America, there was no talk about protecting my fertility, which (laughs) women's bodies are so controlled in this country. You can't get a tubal ligation. You can't get your tubes tied without, you know, 2.5 kids and your husband's signature on a line to say that, oh, it's okay, we're really done having kids. They won't even consider it with a a 20-something single woman because the medical field thinks they know better about what a woman is going to want. And I find that really infuriating. And the double standard is really infuriating because when I could have made a choice to protect my future as a potential mother, that choice was not even made available to me. And I found that really annoying. So post-surgery into chemo, I really hadn't had a cycle still. So by the point that we're getting to the end of chemo, I've now not had a period for like two years or maybe more. And throughout chemo, I, I actually felt very aware of the fact that the medication, the medication that was being put into me was, was very toxic and could very well prevent my ability to have kids in the future. And it seemed like this was just at a time When all I was seeing on Facebook were women my own age complaining about pregnancy or complaining about their kids, and it just made me sick. And full disclosure, I, again, I'm not a mother. I don't know what that entails. But in my mind, especially then, I was like, this is a gift. And in many cases, something you chose and the fact that you're going to go and do nothing but, I'm sorry, bitch and complain when there are women all over the world who want nothing more than to be moms, it was gross. Like, just don't. So (laughs) that was something that I sort of had to deal with. I actually unfriended multiple people because, you know, a lot of them were like, people that I wasn't close to anyways, and I really could not put up with the vapid, I want attention nonsense, especially not that kind of vapid, I want attention nonsense. I just was not up to it. So the months that followed chemo as my body sort of recovered from the poison, adjusted to a single ovary, I remember waiting and waiting and really anxiously waiting for something. And I was, I mean, I was waiting to get my period for the first time post chemo. That's the, the best sign that the fertility is, is still there, that I am still a fertile person and capable of having kids. And it, I remember it felt like forever (laughs) before I got my period for the first time after chemo and probably for about I don't know, a year thereafter, it was inconsistent. I frequently skipped months until my body sort of caught up with itself. I was recovered physically. My left ovary realized that it had to work double time. I will say, because I only have one ovary, it is less likely that I will have twins. Obviously, twins can occur in a number of ways, but one of the ways is that both of your ovaries fire an egg at the same time. And of course, that can't happen. I would My left ovary would have to, you know do two eggs at once. I don't actually know that that's possible. And I'm one of those crazy women that has always wanted multiples. Um, So that's not so likely to happen, but also multiples in this economy, twins would still be great. 
triplets would still be great. I'm still a little baby crazy. So I guess, I guess that's that. I, of course, my period did eventually come back. And I guess this is a, a good episode as any to, to share that after my, my stint with cancer and after my chemo treatments, I became more careful about what I put into my body. And, you know, I'm not perfect. And there are ways where I know it is easier than others in terms of keeping things clean and organic. And while, yes, it would be great if I could cut out all parabens and all sulfates and all of those bad things that we know can be carcinogenic, I can at the very least cut them out where it's easy to cut them out. Places like, for example, sunscreen. I, re- I actually only recently switched to a mineral sunscreen that is, it, it sits on the top of your skin rather than being sunk into your skin because a lot of sunscreens are really toxic. And I did avoid making the sunscreen switch for a long time because a lot of those, uh, those mineral sunscreens have zinc in them. And for a long time after chemo, I resisted switching to anything that's like a metal because the, one of my chemo drugs, the cisplatin, is made with platinum. And I was like, there is already so much heavy metal in my system. Can we avoid it? But I, I did decide just this last summer, you know, it's time. Let's make the switch because it's an easy switch to make. Uh, right away, I had switched to, you know, shampoos and conditioners, which don't have parabens or sulfates or any of those sort of bad things. Uh, what else have I switched? Toothpaste, switching to, to organic toothpaste with, without those toxic ingredients. And one of the big things for me was switching what I used for feminine hygiene, pads and tampons, right? I have a huge beef with pads and tampons because these are things, particularly tampons, that we put physically into our bodies and the companies are not obligated to put ingredients on the package. So not only are most common brands using cotton, which has been treated with pesticides and all these really terrible chemicals, they're also not in a situation where they're obligated to do any like major cleaning to those those cottons that they harvest. So that's already a problem to me. And then of course there's the bleaching and all of this stuff. Why on earth would I put a wad of cotton which has been soaked in God knows what chemical up into my vagina? Why? Answer, I wouldn't. And I don't and I haven't in in five years. I right away made the switch to an uh, an organic uh, an organic tampon brand which had a commitment to uh, no, no harmful pesticides, no, uh, no sort of bad chemicals and all sort of organic healthy farming measures because they know that this is a product that women are putting into a very delicate part of their bodies and a very frankly absorbent part of our bodies. The whole like feminine system can get an infection about 12 different ways. Why would we not treat them the best that we can? So after, I don't know, two or so years, maybe three years of using these organic tampons, I was like, I can do one better. And I actually made a switch to a menstrual cup. And what's great about the menstrual cup is it's a reduced risk of uh, TSS. It's way less risky for leakage. Um, And because it is medical grade silicone, it is totally body safe. So that's an easy switch that everyone can make to sort of protect their hoo-hahs. And I guess that's it for today. Uh, I just wanted to talk to everyone about fertility and also about 
doing doing the little things to protect your body. I'm not saying you have to cut out every harmful junk food um, because I'm, I'm big particularly now on doing what sparks joy. But if you can switch from, you know, a a cheap conditioner or even an expensive conditioner that's got a lot of, you know, bad junk in it, uh, particularly looking for things like parabens. I believe silicones are not particularly good for your hair. Sulfate's not particularly good for your hair, your skin, or yourself. Avoiding these things is good for you, and I'm not saying it's going to stop you from getting cancer, but, you know, give your body whatever leg up you can. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in today, and um, thanks also to Julius H. for this song, Beltane, which I found on Pixabay. Also, please remember, I still want to do an Ask Me Anything episode. So if you have any questions, you can send it to my email. That's ericaleeconklin at gmail.com. Erica, E-R-I-C-K-A, Lee, L-E-E, Conklin, C-O-N-K-L-I-N, at gmail.com. Now, before I go, don't forget, support single-payer healthcare, go get your damn vaccines, COVID-19 is real, and thanks to the NHS for supporting my continued existence. See you tomorrow.